Well, good morning. It is 9.02. I'm Jay Barrett, and you're listening to The Coffee Table. Support for The Coffee Table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices, schedules, and information on Pier 1 Productions at 907-226-2287 and pier1theater.org. Today, we are talking about addiction and recovery. We have guests uh, from Cook Inlet Counseling, All Things Addiction, and a couple of folks who will talk about their journey in recovery. Uh, Willie Dunn is the case manager with Cook Inlet Counseling. Good morning, Willie. Good morning, Jay. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. How's, uh, how's oh. the signal on your end? I can hear your voice very well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us on today. You bet. Also, Jacqueline Rainwater, who is the brand new facilitator for all things addiction. Uh, good morning, Jacqueline. Uh, do you hear me okay? Yes. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. How's the signal on your end? Better. Doing good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and then also Jesse, who is a person in recovery, speaking as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and in keeping with the tradition, we're going with one name. Jesse, how are you this morning? I'm doing really well. I hope you are. I found turning the volume down just slightly increased uh, the, the clearness of your voice. Oh, terrific. I should try that more often. Uh, and then also Grace, who is uh, in recovery, and she's speaking as a member of uh, Narcotics Anonymous. Good morning, Grace. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. We seem to have gotten uh, tamped down, at least, some of the technical issues that sometimes bug us. Well, we're talking about addiction and recovery, and uh, I, I want to start with uh, you, Willie. You're the new. Uh, are you new with Cook and Lake Counseling? Did you just take that job? Yeah, thanks, Jay. Um, I am new at this job, although uh, as a person in long-term recovery myself, I've been active in our community with uh, this this field for many many years. But um, I just started working for um, Cook and Lake Counseling. In the past couple of months and um, it's really good to be uh, working in a field where I can help others. Uh, we, we have an office here in Homer that um, <clears throat> we're hoping folks will uh, uh, be uh, more, more aware of our presence here in Homer. Uh, the, the office in Kenai has been operating for many years. Here in Homer we've been operating off and on over a number of years but uh, we're uh, working on staffing and, and getting our office open. Uh, we're open five days a week now uh, from 11 a.m. till 4 p.m. And so folks can swing by to learn more about uh, the organization or to get some more information or to just chat. So um, I, I well, will... Well, why don't we uh, kick that be... off right here and, you know, maybe you could tell us what uh, is offered at Cook and Counseling. Sure, you bet. Absolutely. Um, and I should mention that uh, many people are more familiar with the uh, name CICADA, uh, the acronym Cook Inlet Council on Alcohol and Drug Abuse, which has been uh, the name that we've been known by for many years. And we're transitioning to the, uh, the name Cook Inlet Counseling to kind of embrace a, a broader uh, scope of services. 
But, um, you know, we here uh, offer a, a number of services. Um, our, our treatment uh, plans are, are focused on uh, improving relationships and uh, livelihoods and uh, helping folks deal with life stressors. Um, we help them build uh, various strengths and skills and, and uh, support for their recovery program. Uh, and we, you know, we believe that uh, the, uh, the, the wellness of both, our, including physical, mental, spiritual, is all uh, important in recovery and uh, also, you know, including families. We, we, uh, we really hope to empower and heal um, and connect people, families, and the community. So uh, it's, it's a lofty goal, but I, I think it's certainly uh, worthy and um, we, we have uh, a number of, of services that we provide. We provide assessments um, for um, uh, substance abuse or misuse, and we, um, we uh, participate in the uh, Alcohol Drug Information School, the ADIS School, A-D-I-S, that um, we have monthly um, uh, classes there for, uh, and that's typically for folks who may have had some uh, uh, experience with a misdemeanor um, related event um, that uh, this is to just educate them about uh, alcohol and drug awareness. Um, then we also have uh, treatment, outpatient treatment programs and um, uh, we, we also have uh, uh, some counselors that are trained in, in a uh, kind of a fairly new uh, type of ther therapy called brain spotting which is um, it, it works by uh, processing some of the core uh, neurophysiological sources of, of uh, emotional pain and trauma, and uh, it's been proving very, uh, very helpful in people's recovery. Wow. Um, I have a lot of questions about stressors, and we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, uh, Jacqueline, uh, you are pretty new at your job as facilitator of all things uh, addiction which has also changed its name recently. Could you go over some of that? Yes, um, so we are now the All Things Addiction Coalition, and we were previously called the Opioid Task Force, and we also changed the name um, for a broader sense um, that we don't want to deal with just opioids, but um, all things related to addiction to help our community. Um, and I'd love to tell you a little bit about it. Please. Okay. Um, so our coalition is made up of a variety of community members, um, people like parents and family members of those struggling with addiction, people who are in active addiction, people in recovery, and a lot of local agencies. Um, there's a lot of agencies um, from Nanilchik on down, but a couple of them are the Center, Cook and the Counseling, Nanilchuk Traditional Council, uh, Set Free Alaska, which is the new outpatient and residential treatment here in Homer, the Parent-to-Parent -parent Support Group, and Megan's Place. And um, the coalition's goal and vision is just to see our community free of opioid and substance misuse. And we work really hard to engage all individuals in the community um, to create local solutions for substance misuse. Um, so anyone is invited to be a part of our coalition. Uh, this past November, we held a virtual community conversation to help us gather input um, over the past four years on our successes and where the community would like to see growth. And there was about 43 people who gave their input 
and some of the results were that we heard back about um, where people were excited that there was increased medication assisted treatment providers um, that there's now residential treatment in Homer um, there's a lot more harm reduction support which is Megan's place um, and there's also more 12 steps narcotics anonymous meetings available and um, another uh, silver lining of the pandemic, I would say, is through all these Zoom calls and telehealth services, uh, there's been a lot more collaboration between statewide um, people and task force groups and coalitions. Um, so those were some of the successes that we looked at. And some of the current needs that were discussed were um, needing more detox and treatment services, needing more recovery support, and more teen and youth support. Um, so when we got all those results back, the coalition held a two-part strategic planning session in, in December, um, and we pulled out four major themes on how we can better serve our community. Um, those themes were building a recovery-ready community, um, learning how to navigate the systems of care to make the process easier for individuals to receive services, uh, increase youth and family support and to hold more events for people with lived experience um, that will help with peer support. So that being said, um, that's where we sort of left off with those themes and those themes will be turned into work groups with people within the coalition um, and we'll, we will set um, a goal and a work plan or more than one goal and um, see how we can move forward to make that goal a reality um, to help people in our community. So, um, again, anyone's anyone's welcome to be a part of the coalition. Um, so I want to throw my email address out there. Um, it's skpopioidtaskforce at gmail.com. And if you're interested in being on our email list, um, you can contact me, and I'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of questions about navigating the system, too, because, you know, <laughs> as an outsider, as an innocent bystander, it just seems monolithic, you know, and there are so many different organizations, you know, uh, where do you start? And uh, I'll get to that question mm -hmm. here in a sec. Um, first, you know, I wanted to ask, I'll throw this out there. What is addiction? It's it's, it's more than just, um, you know, craving chocolate, right? It's, uh, uh, it, it's a physical or it's a, a psychological dependency. Could, could, could somebody talk about what addiction is? Sure, I, I could um, <clears throat> uh, speak briefly on that. Um, I'm not a, uh, a medical doctor or a medical professional, but... Um, uh, you know, addiction is uh, recognized uh, by the medical profession as a, uh, a disease. Um, and it might be easier to um, <clears throat> point out some of the signs and symptoms of addiction uh, that people might be um, able to relate to a little bit. So, um, you know, if, if somebody is using a substance and they, they can't stop, um, that's, that's a really, a really uh, key part of addiction, whether it's um, drugs or alcohol um, or, or um, you know there, there's a number of forms of addiction there's there's psychological addictions and such but you know we're we're dealing with substance use here um, in in our profession at this point but um, uh, you know some other signs and symptoms are that uh, you'll you'll have withdrawal symptoms when you stop um, uh, using this substance um, 
and that it uh, you you continue using these substances uh, even even if you develop health problems, um, and uh, even even if you, if you become aware of this become a problem, you just continue to using it using it and have uh, difficulty stopping. Um, you um, you may sacrifice some things in your social life. Uh, you may sacrifice family life. You may sacrifice uh you know all of the things that are meaningful in life um, because you you have difficulty um, stopping uh, using this substance you start taking risks um, and getting into trouble with the law um, and um, basically you become dependent you're you're needing this um, this substance uh, whether it's a, a drug an opioid a, a stimulant an alcohol whatever it is uh, you you feel like you just need this the substance to deal with uh, problems and your, your problems get uh, bigger and bigger and, and just uh, astonishingly difficult to solve those problems and uh, you know th those are those are some of the the signs if, if that's helpful mm-hmm yeah it must be a, a lonely and helpless feeling to see these things start to take over your life right well, and a lot of times, you know, family and friends can see it long before the uh, person with the uh, with the problem sees it, um, <clears throat> and, and especially before they admit they have a problem. So, um, you know, it be, because of those things like you know uh, putting drugs over your your uh, social life and your family life that that does tend to create a uh, a lonely place. And uh, a lot of a lot of people we talk with that uh, are are trying to come out of addiction talk about the. Uh, the intense loneliness and, and sense of separation and isolation. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse, can I ask you what addiction looked like for you? What what made you seek recovery? Sure. I think it looked like a cancer of the soul to me. I started off as a really successful young man and uh, once I became addicted, and you can become addicted to all kinds of things, as Willie just said. Uh, I, I've never met a drug I didn't like and couldn't become addicted to. But it's not just drugs. Uh, people use sex, they use uh, games, they, anything can, can be chosen or can come along to uh, cover up the empty place you feel inside to cover up the bad feelings you have, the guilt or, or whatever, anger. Uh, you, can, you can pick just about anything and use it to cover up. And uh, dr alcohol and other drugs just happen to be two of the, the more deadly ones that you can pick. But what it looks like from the inside is loneliness, feeling like you're uh, not worth anything, feeling like nobody could possibly like you because you're such a scumbag, uh, just endless guilt. I think that's about it for right now. Mm-hmm. Grace, what did, um, seeking recovery, uh, what was that moment like for you? Um, I guess my experience um, at the moment where I felt that I had no control and couldn't um, dig myself out of this hole um, was I had I started losing things in my life um, and control my kids, my house, my car. Um, 
Yeah, and I can piggyback off the dark and lonely and worthless um, feelings that Jesse was talking about. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, oh, I didn't feel like it was always bad because it started out as fun and uh, recreational and partying and glamorous and um, and quickly, quickly spiraled down downward um, into the hole of dark, lonely, um, sad, worthless, just dark. It was dark. Um, I specifically remem remember thinking to myself, I, if I die, I wonder how long it would be before my family would be notified. And I was thinking maybe two weeks, you know, um, and I come from a big, loving family. Um, I had, before my addiction, I had lots of loving, great, supportive, encouraging friends. And to go from that to maybe weeks of being dead before I was found, um, that just kind of goes to show um, how powerful a chemical was to me um it it became it became my everything and it controlled me i did not control it so yeah wow yeah do you um get a sense that uh drugs are not fair or drugs on alcohol are not fair that uh some people seemingly uh can drink and toke and uh, shoot up as much as they want and then just move on. Whereas others, other times, other people um, succumb. Um, yeah, I know there's got to be a million reasons, both physiological and psychological, but simple uh, lack of fairness uh, in becoming addicted bother you? Do you think about that? Um, you know, I, I used I used to, um, but I think because I've I've been in recovery as long as I have, and and the whys don't matter anymore. Um, you know, I've had to give up my my right to a chemical peace of mind. Some people can. I just I can't think about that anymore. I have to I have to know that I can't. And. Um, Thinking about my children, you know, because I know addiction is, you know, can be hereditary. Um, I think the most important thing at this point is um, really instilling that knowledge that I have about addiction and the possibilities that where it could take you maybe before they pick up that first drink or drug. You know, um, the only knowledge I had about addiction was, you know, the dare police officers that came in the school every once in a while, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't taught about, taught to me at home. It wasn't talked to me about drinking or drugs or anything like that. Cause I didn't grow up in a house with, um, an alcoholic parent. My parents didn't drink, but, um, it, but my biological father, which I am, you know, not familiar with, um, it's all over that side of the family. So I just feel like just the knowledge that we have, just sharing it and, hoping to maybe stop something before it prevents it before it becomes a problem um i think that we should start talking about it more and more so i uh, i jump on opportunities like this to share my experience with with my addiction and also with um my recovery which is 
um, been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Jesse, did you have something you wanted to add? Yes, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a minute or two and just, just run through my, my trip through addiction. And um, I think I can answer the, your earlier question a little bit better that way than, than I did. And, go, go, uh, right go, go right ahead. Sure. I wanna, one thing I want to say is that uh, people get, come into addiction differently. And we're not all the same. We don't all get into it the same way. Uh, I had warning signs in high school. I never drank unless I could drink to oblivion. And if I couldn't do that, I just didn't want any. Uh, I, high school was great for me. I had a lot of friends. Uh, started in the football team, track, was a class officer, a paper editor, went into the Army, became a, went from private to captain in 30 months, contained, commanded an infantry company in combat at 21. And I started drinking more after Vietnam, but that was not a cause of my addiction uh, or my alcoholism. <clears throat> and, and it's all the same. I, um, I got back into civilian life and I, I, had, uh, I was on the dean's list. I went, to, I went back to college, obviously. I had two jobs, was carrying 16 units and produced a TV show. And I only mention all of this to show you how much I lost that to, to uh, addiction. Um, as my drinking and drugging increased in my, my second year, my grades plunged, my marriage failed, I lost my wife and daily contact with my kids. Uh, that's when I can remember for sure I used drugs of all kinds, alcohol and other drugs to hide the emotional pain I had. I remarried another alcoholic, and uh, my drugs let me lower, Robin Williams said it, I, I, I lowered my standards faster, uh, anyway, I lowered my standards really fast. That marriage failed. I thought if I left her, uh, life would be better because it was all her drinking that was at fault. My life didn't get any better. It was a real bottom. I was 39, living with my parents, and had a minimal job and no friends. I just would go back to my room in the evening, get loaded, and, and that was my life. Uh, I was challenged to go to one 12-step meeting, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. I stayed sober for that only because I didn't want to be associated with these drunken druggies. I wasn't like that, I thought. I liked what I heard so much, I stayed sober for one more meeting for the next nine years. Uh, in that nine years, I worked at my capacity, got a lot of promotions, bought my first house, my first car, got into a loving, sober relationship, uh, and I thought I was cured, so I stopped using my, my program, stopped attending meetings, and I let a resentment fester and had a beer, and in a week I was back to where I was uh, when, I, when I stopped nine years before. When my third marriage... Wow was near total collapse, I, I returned to AA. And I avoided, I would drive by the AA building and turn my head so I didn't have to look at it because I knew my answer was in there. I just didn't want to admit that I couldn't do it by myself. By God, I've done all kinds of things, I can do this. And the answer is no. You can just keep trying until you die, but the dying is what's gonna happen. Now, with the help of my AA family, which is my higher power, 
I, I've been sober for 10 years. I graduated from college at age 72. I've got a stable, passionate relationship with my wife. Uh, I'm of service to my community, my AA community, and my Homer community. I laugh a lot. Uh, I have true loving friends. I like myself, and um, <clears throat> and I strive for rigorous honesty, honesty every day. That's the basis of of my my life right now. I pray for those I don't like, and I forgive myself for all my frequent shortcomings. At Christmas, uh, at my son's house, I said grace, and that pretty well sums up my feelings these days. <clears throat> I said, uh, Lord, you never gave Solomon half the treasures you've blessed me with. Thank you. And thank you for listening to me. Wow, that was a uh, powerful story, Jesse. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you talked about the uh, depression, uh, both you and Grace, um, and all of the other things that come along with addiction, financial problems, family problems. Uh, uh, Willie or Jacqueline, this sounds like a condition that can snowball, that can more things go wrong the longer you're in addiction. Do I have that right? Well, I, w I would say yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there appears to be a, a downward spiral is, is the, the, uh, the phrase I often hear from people uh, who have gotten out of that downward spiral. That. Uh, yeah, yeah. Things things get more and more difficult, and and in order to cope, uh, you try to use those substances to help you cope, and they just cause more problems. And it uh, it is a big downward spiral. And and the other phrase that I, I like uh, to hear from people in recovery is, um, you know, they to get out of the hole, the first thing they had to do was stop digging, and so uh, in order to um, you know, get have any chance at recovery. You know, first step is to uh, quit uh, quit using what uh, you're using and to try and uh, um, get some help. Get some help, and that's you know that's what we're all about is is trying to help folks who who are ready to um, to stop stop that downward spiral. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the yeah, uh, help is needed in many different ways, like uh, emotional counseling. Uh, financial counseling, maybe, and uh, uh, family counseling. It, it seems like as big an obstacle as <laughs> you folks make it sound, honestly. You want to take that, Jacqueline? Yeah, um, I was just going to say... Um, there is definitely a different, a lot of avenues to receive help and services. Um, and that's one reason I'm excited that Willie's at Cicada as a case manager, um, because that position helps with a lot of different um, areas, if it's housing or um, getting you with the counselor or um, helping you with more than just recovery, but mental health. Um, it helps you connect people um, in our in our town um, with the right spot, and that's also has to do with that navigating the systems um, of care that I was talking about earlier. Um, sometimes it can be really hard for an individual to 
start the process of receiving services because it can be so overwhelming um, to do paperwork, to figure out where they need to go. Um, so, so that's something that the coalition wants to work on um, is to break down the barriers of services. Um, so when somebody walks into the door or calls one place that we don't direct them to five different places and they don't have to fill out five different packets, um, but that they can have sort of a, a central location or one person to talk to um, that makes recovery po feel possible um, and not overwhelming and not stressful. Um, because recovery is possible and that's the message that we want to get out. I'm also in long-term recovery, um, so I know what it's like starting literally from the bottom. Um, I was very bad um, in my addiction. I lost everything. Um, so even that beginning step of like, okay, I have no paperwork. I need to get a social security card. I need to get my birth certificate. I need to, you know, just like very basic things. Um, so yeah, so being able to help the individual know that there's hope for their future um, is something that I believe NA and AA and All Things Addiction Coalition and, and Cook and Lit Counseling, um, we're all sort of working together to, to spread that message of hope to help each individual. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 931. I want to give out the phone number. It's 907-235-7721. Uh, if you have any questions for our guests, we are talking about addiction and recovery this morning on the coffee table. Uh, I'm Jay Barrett. We are going to take a very short dance break and be back in just a couple of minutes. It is 9.34. Good morning. I'm Jay Barrett. You're listening to The Coffee Table here on Public Radio KBBI. 
we are talking about addiction and recovery this morning. Our guests are Willie Dunn, case manager with Cook Inlet Counseling, Jacqueline Rainwater, facilitator for All Things Addiction Coalition, Jesse, a person in recovery, uh, as well as Grace, who is also in recovery. Um, we've been talking about um, the... Um, I'm sorry, I just... I, I know here. I, I, we were talking about the recovery aspect of, of this, but it occurs to me that, uh, you know, when we were talking about the description of what addiction is, uh, uh, you know, that is was very... Um, accurate and uh, informative, but I'm wondering what addiction feels like, um, you know, when when you need another beer or you need another fix uh, and you've and you, you got a problem and it should you should be handling it, but instead you go, go down to the bar or, or whatever. Can somebody talk about what addiction feels like uh, in the best case and the worst case? Uh, to you who'd like to take that on i guess i would grace okay um, uh addiction feels like to me um just complete mental insanity um it's like you know you have a list of things to do but all you can think about is how you're gonna get your next fixed where is it gonna come from where are you gonna get the money from um and you know, if you don't have it, just like um, the 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 feeling that, you know, the physical feeling that, you know, that's going to come, you know, within a, a few hours, um, it's it's nerve wracking. It's scary. Um, and then on top of that, just the feeling of trying to sneak and hide it from, you know, your family members or the people that care about you. Um, it's just a icky, icky way to live. Just waking up and the first thing that you think about is how awful you feel, um, you know, straight to the bathroom to get your fix and just to get up and function for the day. Um, it's completely miserable. It, it really is completely miserable. <laughs> What what was attractive about it the first time? Is it uh, feel good the first time and then it started not feeling good? Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, curiosity killed the cat, you know. Um, and for me, you know, it, it, start, it started in middle school taking my first sip or smoking my first joint, right? And then everything just kind of grows and piggybacks off of that. Well, that seems fine and that makes me feel good. And so addiction, our, our literature talks about it being an allerg a physical allergy. And, um, and so when I take that first drug or drinks, like something goes off in my brain. And that, that's what makes me different from people that can, you know, take the edge off with a glass of wine after a long day of work. Um, my my brain tells me that I want more. I can't stop. There is no breaks, um, and so that puts me in a. Oh, hello, oblivion, like you? you know, like you hear all the time. You just I don't have breaks, and I have a phys 
Can you hear me? I can. Can you yes. hear me? Hello? Good to go. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I have a physical allergy. Yeah, so I have a physical allergy to anything chemical that's going to change change my brain, that's going to give me a, a, any kind of head change. Um, and it just takes me down down a path that I have no control over. You know, I had a friend who was a nurse, and uh, he said he had he, he was in recovery, and he he said that the drug he took he didn't tell me what it was, uh, but um, after the first time he took it, you know, it was fine. But as he went on, it required more and more of the drug to achieve the same high, and. Um, you know that it, it it just well spiraled from there. I guess is is the right term. I agree with that. You know, addiction. Grace? They you know mm -hmm. it it talks about it. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Okay. It talks about in our literature the addictions a a, a progressive illness, and. Um, even though I'm in long-term recovery and all things have changed for me, it's just going to take that one drink or drug to put me right back, kind of like Jesse was talking about um, after nine years of recovery. And, um, and that, that's exactly what happens. We build up a tolerance and we need more and more and more, and then it's never enough. We'll, we'll never hit that mark again. Um, but we keep, but that insanity in our brain, you know, that addiction tells us that we can. And so we're going to continue to strive for that, um, which makes us sicker and sicker and sicker, thus being ins insanity. You know, that's our mental part. And, um, and then the physical allergy, like what happens when we take that first drink or drug, something clicks. And um, that's what set, sets us apart from people that can, you know, uh, recreational, use of drugs or alcohol and um and they you know they can make that look glamorous um but for me i know i know it's not going to end pretty so um hard lessons hard lessons to learn mm -hmm. uh, we have a phone caller donna you're on line one you're on the air hi yes good morning thank you so much for, to every all the participants I'm hearing my own voice echo. Are you guys good? Yes. Okay, good. I'll put up with that then. Anyway, thank you so much for, for all you, you participating. And I wondered if somebody could speak to, um, like, the, the programs that are available, like the needle exchange program, um, thoughts on, you know, decriminalizing users and stuff like that that help not frustrate people for drug offenses, but actually help them um, recover. And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Donna. Uh, Jacqueline, uh, what about uh, these uh, treatments or these other programs? Yeah. Um, so Megan's place um, is on the second Wednesday of each month from one to three, um, I believe. And 
It's down by the South Peninsula Hospital Training Center on Bartlett. Um, I'm re sorry, I'm reading their website just to be sure. Um, I'm going to give the phone number out for that program. It's 841-7204. Um, it also says every first and third Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Um, they give clean needles. They give um, overdose kits um, called Narcan, sanitary products, referrals for HIV and Hep C testing, um, cookies and more. Uh, they have a, it's a safe and confidential um, community resource with a great team of folks there. Um, it's a really, really good program. Um, and then the Narcotics Anonymous meetings, there's a meeting uh, Mondays at 7.30 p.m. Um, at the outbuilding at Glacier View Baptist Church. And there's also a meeting Wednesdays, uh, I'm sorry, Thursdays at 7 p.m. And um, yeah, those are the ones that come up off the top of my head. And there's also um, AA, and I think Willie probably knows the schedule better than I do for that. Um, there's the parent-to-parent -parent support group um, that is over, over the phone right now. And um, yeah, a lot of those agencies I listed before do different sort of programs, but the I would say the weekly ones is NA and AA and Megan's Place um, that you can count on being there every week. Um, Willie, do you know the schedule well for AA in town? So for um, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, there are 20 meetings every week. So every day of the year, 365 days a year, there's at least two meetings. Uh, some days there are three meetings. Um, the easiest way to connect with those is uh, through a website that has the updated schedule. It's, it's aahomer.org. Um, so that's, that's where you can find, um, find those meetings. Um, and then just to address the, the caller's uh, question a little bit more, um, there's, there's a variety of services. And uh, the, the South Peninsula Hospital does put out a very good um, guide, a Homer Area Support Group and Resources Guide that uh, discusses things like the needle exchange, which which is a harm reduction um, uh, based uh, program, uh, with the uh, the philosophy that um, you know not everybody's ready to stop, but we want to reduce um, the spread of disease and um, and uh, create um, you know a reduction in in the harm that uh, users might be experiencing. Uh, quite a few other other programs. You know, the call or the caller also mentioned, um, you know, uh, policies uh, such as, uh, you know, um, uh, cr uh, penalties against drug use and those kind of things. And and you know, those are, are big, broad discussions that uh, you know can take place at a higher level. Um, you know, I I don't really have an opinion on on those. Um, you know, my. My uh, goal right now is to try and you know help the, the individual who is who is experiencing some problems. But there's certainly some national policies and state policies that uh, could be addressed to to help help things. Mm -hmm. Willie, uh, when you're on the assembly, uh, you you pressed um, for a uh, um, what would you call it a community uh, recovery center detox center. Um, we haven't gotten one yet, but uh, what uh, what do we need here on the South Peninsula, and uh, what are the odds of getting it? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I did start uh, getting uh, much more involved with the community aspects of this as a uh, member of the Kenan Peninsula Borough Assembly. And, um, you know, the assembly did uh, was involved in, in helping to uh, uh, approve funding for a detox center in Slatna. Um, you know, withdrawal management is very critical. Um, and some people are surprised to learn that, uh, you know, withdrawal from alcohol can be much more dangerous than withdrawal from, from most drugs. But uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol, um, you know, medical inter intervention is, is really critical. Here in the South Peninsula right now, the emergency room at South Peninsula Hospital is, is our only option. We, we don't have a, uh, a withdrawal management or detox center here in the South Peninsula. Um, and, and that's been a gap that's been identified and, and uh, you know, discussions at a higher level are, are taking place on that. Um, the other, um, uh, you know, gaps that we have, uh, we, we had, we, we had no, uh, residential treatment here in Homer until just recently. Um, Jacqueline mentioned the, uh, set free, uh, treatment center. That's an inpatient treatment center. And, and that, uh, uh, is, is operating at full capacity right now. And, and there's still need for more treatment centers. So, um, so there certainly are some gaps in services, um, <clears throat> particularly on the Southern Peninsula with uh, uh, detox and uh, the need for some more treatment centers, uh, in uh, residential in-person treatment. Um, yeah, so that's an ongoing issue mm -hmm. that uh, hopefully will be addressed. Someday, sure. We have a caller <laughs> on line one. Hello. Hi. Uh, thanks. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting an echo. Uh, my own experience is is not with the sort of addiction that you're talking about, in which people hit rock bottom, but rather with my father, my brother, and many friends in Alaska, of people who are either high-functioning alcoholics who keep their families, keep their jobs, but they're getting drunk every night, or people who are not alcoholics, but they're drinking more than is healthy, uh, binge drinking occasionally. And I think for them, what keeps them drinking is, is the idea it's the only way they can really enjoy life. And I wonder, for, for people who are high-functioning but give it up, what you can say about the quality of your life after and for. Oh, excellent. Um, Jesse or Grace, would you like to address uh, the question of quality of life before and after uh, uh, succeeding or uh, progressing, I guess, in recovery? Grace, go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. Um, hey there. Uh, so, um, I would say the f I had I didn't really have a choice but to get clean and sober, or I was gonna die. So, um, I guess my experience was I did have to hit rock bottom, but I can assure you that my quality of life um, instantly got got better. Um, the opportunities that I had. Um, just became endless. Um, just there was just a big whole world out out here that I had no idea about because I was so isolated with with my drugs, and um, 
and I'm going to be seven years clean from all mind altering substances this month and which is a, a miracle. Um, and I can honestly say that each year just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, life is really good and my, my, my soul feels good. My heart feels good. Um, my relationships are so good. Um, my, I, my quality of life is bar none. Just it's, I live a life beyond my wildest dreams and, um, I'm not going to put any limits or boundaries on it today. Um, which that's what alcohol and drugs did for me. They put, they put boundaries on my life and opportunities. And so, um, I don't know. I, I love recovery and, um, anytime I get a chance to share what it has opened up for me, I, I jump on that. So thank you. That was a good question. Grace, I see, I see that a lot of folks who are in recovery then find a need to help others themselves. That sounds like what you're doing. That's how it works. That's just how the program works. You know, um, when I came in to 12 step, I, I grabbed a lady um, that I admired her life and I admired how she carried herself and um, I wanted that. And, you know, once we started talking and she shared her story with me, I would have never guessed that her life had been so dark and um, she she was just like me, you know, and, and she gave me hope that if she can get well, you know, then maybe, just maybe I have a shot at it too. And, um, and so that's, that's what we do. We, we get well together and it's just a really beautiful, um, program that we, that we get to, to do together. So yeah, that's exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Jacqueline, you uh, had something else you wanted to add. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify. Um, I gave two dates for the needle exchange and I want to just make sure I'm getting the correct information out there. Um, it is every first and third Tuesday from five to seven at the South Peninsula Hospital Training Center on Bartlett. So that other time and date I gave you was not accurate. So just wanted to clarify for the callers listening. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, things like needle exchanges, I remember when they were first proposed, you know, nationally that uh, they were quite controversial. Uh, but it seems to be something that works and something that uh, society has accepted as a, uh, a treatment option. Uh, wouldn't you think, uh, Jacqueline or Willie? Um, yeah, I can speak into that a little bit. Um, I am, like I said before, I'm in recovery. And so I had a very, um, I had my own experience, which was, um, through 12 steps and some people say, you know, complete abstinence. But in this job that I'm in, um, I'm learning there's many paths to recovery and people need different things at different times. And um, I also learned that um, the exchange, it's also called Megan's Place now. Um, so many clients and individuals who come through there um, that opens a door for them to receive services and they get information on treatment and they're speaking to people who are sharing 
um, hope with them. And um, it's not just, you know, give us this and we'll give you this and go on your way. Um, it's, it's really informal, or I'm sorry, educational, and um, it gets a lot of people through the door to receive treatment services. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Donna also had a question about uh, legalizing drugs, and I, I wanted to touch on that here in the last couple of minutes. Uh, the state, as you know, a few years ago legalized the sale of cannabis, uh, though it had been legal in the state for decades. Uh, does anyone think that uh, legalized sale of uh, pot uh, is a gateway to uh, harder drugs or uh, Portland, I believe, just legalized mushrooms, um, magic mushrooms, uh, or, or is uh, the gateway somebody's individual predisposition for addiction? Uh, Willie? Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is a controversial subject. And, and when I was on the borough assembly, um, we had uh, a lot of public input on uh, whether commercial marijuana should, uh, sales should be allowed in the borough or not. And, and, you know, I think in the, in the treatment recovery field, um, you know, we don't, we tend not to have an opinion on those, those types of policies. Um, uh, you know, the alcohol is a, a legal drug. It's been legal for, uh, forever, except for during a few years during prohibition when that was discovered, that didn't work very well. So, um, whether it's a, a legal drug uh, available legally for commercial, uh, commercial per, uh, purchase or whether it's an illicit drug that uh, is, is uh, obtained illegally it is, is not really, um, you know, uh, part of the, the problem. The, the, the problem is that some people can handle uh, either, let's use the two legal drugs, marijuana and alcohol, uh, and others don't seem to handle it very well. So, um, you know, the... the there's there's a lot of amazing work going on in in neuroscience with uh, brain chemistry and brain pathways and how that affects addiction. Um, there, there's uh, there's tons of uh, work being done on that. Um, there's also a lot of uh, indication that uh, trauma, childhood trauma, and and uh, trauma at at any age uh, has an impact, and that um, you know adverse childhood experiences, neglect, abuse, um, household dysfunction, all those things can lead people to be more susceptible to abuse of uh, substances. Um, and, uh, you know, the other caller had a question about, um, you know, some people using alcohol on a daily basis. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the things, and people in recovery often talk about alcohol as being cunning, baffling, and powerful. <laughs> because, uh, you know, some people can use it uh, successfully and stop if they need to, or use it continuously and not have problems in their lives. And others become uh, dependent upon it. Uh, and then the, the, the other tricky part is that there's a, 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 often a gradual onset of the problem, you know, and, and uh, a lot of alcoholics will discuss uh, how they, you know, they enjoyed drinking and it, and it worked well in their lives for a number of years. And then it gradually got uh, worse and worse. And then eventually that phenomenon of craving took over and they and they could not stop um, on their own. So, um, you know, there's all different uh, uh ways that people become dependent on alcohol and drugs and all different reasons. And there, there's lots of different paths to recovery as, as was already, already mentioned. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, at, at the level that we're dealing with is trying to help people it, we're not, you know, getting involved with the policies of legalizing or, or criminalizing, um, you know, it, uh, if somebody has a problem, we want to help them. Mm-hmm. 
But thank you. Willie, we're going to have to leave it there. We are just about out of time. Uh, this has been The Coffee Table. I'm Jay Barrett. We have been talking about addiction and recovery with Willie Dunn, case manager with Cook and Lake Counseling, Jacqueline Rainwater, facilitator for All Things Addiction Coalition, Jesse, person in recovery with Alcoholics Anonymous, and Grace, person uh, just about to celebrate her seventh anniversary of being uh, clean and sober. So thank you all very much for joining us. I really appreciate you uh, you uh, taking the time and sharing your stories. And uh, I want to let the listeners know that we will have uh, links with this coffee table online uh, to find the resources that our guests spoke about. Support for the coffee table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 907-226-2287 and pier1theater.org. It's just about 10 o'clock. This is KBBI AM 890 Homer. We'll send you back to the studio now.